ready for true happiness, for deep fulfillment, for feeling alive, on purpose, and in control of your life again, it's time to be the bold, brilliant, beautiful woman you were born to be. Welcome to the Purpose Girl Podcast. I'm women's happiness and life purpose expert, Karen Rockhunt, and I'm going to teach you how to live on purpose, feel alive, and be happy in every aspect of life. I'm going to get real about my life and interview women who are living on purpose so that you can finally live yours. Welcome to the show. Hello, 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 my purpose girls. Today's topic is so delicious and a little explicit. So you may want to do this one without the kiddos around. So when I was a little girl, I've shared before, I couldn't wait for sex ed. Like in fifth grade, they separated us. They separated the boys from the girls. And I remember knowing that the day was coming. Like, oh my gosh, it's almost here. It's almost here. It's almost here. And I couldn't wait. And I think that my other friends were like, ew, gross, or just didn't even think about it. And I was so excited. We got into our room, right? They separated the boys from the girls. And they started talking to us about our periods. And I was like, this is so great, right? They gave us this enormous box that had enormous pads, like, you know, really looks like a diaper, one of my son's diapers, like it's so big. And I could not wait to use the box. And I remember after the class, just like waiting, when are we going to get to do this again? Sex ed did not come back up until seventh or eighth grade. Now, what happened between fifth grade and seventh grade, right? At least half of the girls got their periods. At least 80% of us started getting curious, looking at our own body, wanting to look at somebody else's body, wanting to touch, wanting to have a first kiss. I had my first kiss at summer camp, Aaron Boeski, if you're listening, at summer camp, seventh grade, right? In the back of the woods. It was like oh, my first kiss. He had braces. I had braces. It was a mess, but it was fun. And I didn't have any sex ed. Nobody was explaining to me what's going on here. Certainly, my friends and I, we talk about kissing and have you kissed somebody? But there is a serious breakdown of sexual education in our society. And that is leading to a lot, a lot of mental anguish and pain, a lot of physical pain in our bodies. It's leading us to a lot of depression and a lot of anxiety because we're sexual beings. And I cannot talk about women's happiness without bringing in the topic of our sexual health. In fact, in my master's program, you know, I have my master's degree in the science of happiness from an Ivy League university. We did not talk about sex. How can we talk about happiness without talking about sex when Sexuality is a part of our physicality. It's a part of our bodies. It's a part of our well-being. It can be a part of our depression. It's a part of all of it. And so I am bringing on today's guest as the best person who's going to give us that sex ed. She is the best sexual educator I know. Let me introduce you to Liz Kessler. Liz is a sexuality health educator and coach, a clinical sexologist, and a certified positive psychology practitioner, providing talk-based education and coaching on sexuality-related concerns. Liz views her work as a sexuality educator and sex coach as part of a movement that she calls intimate 
justice. She works with people to feel safe in their own bodies, to feel deserving of connections with themselves and others, and to heal and thrive through pleasure, all leading the way to healthy intimacy and relationships. She believes that sexual health is an integral part of overall well-being. Her philosophy is that pleasure is an indication of flourishing. Liz uses her skills as a positive psychology practitioner to take the boo out of taboo, to normalize conversations around sex and sexuality. She will help you understand your sexual issues and resolve your sexual difficulties. While also being healing-centered and trauma-informed, Liz works with people of all identities who experience various common sexual concerns, including low libido, lack of pleasure, frustration around orgasming, pain during sex, decreased intimacy in relationships, needing parenting support around sexuality, body image issues. It goes on and on. She's so incredible. Her focus includes people in midlife who finally are ready to feel comfortable in their own sexuality and pleasure. I am so excited, so excited to welcome one of my favorite goddesses on the planet, Liz Kessler. Welcome to the Purpose Girl Podcast. Hello, Karen. So wonderful to be here and see you. I'm so happy to be with you. You are so radiant. You know, the second I sat down, you know, I opened my computer, I can see my guests, but you all can't. Liz is radiating today. She is just like, her skin is shiny. Her smile is big. Her hair is flowy. And I'm like, oh, like I instantly just started to feel pleasure in your presence, sister. Yeah, it's it's all about how we show up, right? And um, mm. before this, I have my own practice of um, how I want to show up. And so my own practice includes my own self-touch, self-pleasure mm. practice. Say it, sister. Say it, sister. I'm telling you, she is, you know, I, I in full disclosure, I sat down today and we're taping this the day after yet another school shooting. It's horrific. It's horrific where my heart is so ripped open. I've just been crying for hours. I did a Facebook Live, an Instagram Live, and everything live. Just And I Wednesday is my writing day. And so I was writing my book, like, can I really be talking about women's happiness? Can we really be having a conversation about women's sexuality when our children are being killed? And the conclusion I came to is like, this is exactly the conversation that we need to have. Because our healing and our thriving our light will change the world. And so I'm like, yeah, this is exactly the conversation that needs to happen today. So Liz, you heard my story of sex ed, right? Which was basically like, there wasn't one because I didn't even go on and share like, okay, so then we get to eighth grade and sex ed included a couple forms of birth control, including seeing a baby that was conceived even with an IUD. So we saw a disformed baby body around an IUD, which just scared the crap out of me to ever have an IUD, including, I don't think it was abstinence, but they talked about condoms. But that was like all the sex ed we had. Nothing about our bodies, nothing about... And so I want to start there with you because I've had other sex coaches on, but you begin with sex education. And I think this is so important. So from your perspective, what do you see as the state of sex ed today and what's needed differently? Right. It, well, overall, it needs a radical change. Yeah. The state of um, sex ed, I believe there's 22 states that if they do teach sex ed, it has to be medically accurate. 
That means the other states that are teaching sex ed, it does not have to be medically accurate. <laughs> right. It's like, wait, what's going on with the other 28 states? Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, therein lies a major problem. And then what is taught? Many places, it's abstinence only. Mm-hmm. So in most of those states where abstinence only is taught, the rate of teenage pregnancy and is much higher. Mm. The rate of STIs is much higher. Sexually transmitted infection. infections. Yes. And the states where there's um, much uh, better, uh, more inclusive, non-racist education, mm. people are getting education that is helping them to have healthier healthier lives, not just sex lives, but healthier lives. And with education, they can make better decisions. Mm. If you don't have that education, it's very difficult to make good decisions. Right. Because in the absence of information, we find it ourselves, right? People find it on the internet. And if you look up sexuality on the internet, you're going to find a ton of porn. You're going to find a ton of things that are inaccurate or are misleading about what a woman's body should look like or what a, a male's body, or if you're supposed to be with women or men or what, you know, who you are, all of it. And so I'm just blown away here. A couple of things. Here in the United States of America, the majority of states, you don't have to have medically accurate information. And I know that in many areas, they're not teaching sex ed at all. With the thought that if we just don't talk about it, it won't happen. But what you're saying is that Statistically, it's proven to be the opposite. Exactly. Where abstinence is taught, where we're telling teenagers don't have sex, they're getting pregnant more. Exactly. That's big, Liz. I mean, that's so important and is making me furious, right? Like, oh, why can't we just put a condom in their hands? You know, like, ugh. Yeah, and, it, and a lot of the solutions are really very straightforward and simple. And, mm. and something that all of us um, can use, even as adults. And as adults, um, we're not still given proper sex education. Right. And, it, oh, it's just to put, we're supposed to think only children receive ch- sex education. And we already discussed how that may not be very good sex education, if at all they get any. And then we wonder, where are people learning about sex? And so from your experience working with so many people, where are people learning about sex? That's a great question. We'd like it to be from parents. However, most parents, as you said, and you experienced, I experienced, we didn't get the sex education to be handing that down to our children. Mm -hmm. So where are our children? They are on screens. And Mm -hmm. those screens were any type of social media. And then you have television programming, movies, um, and then on t- and then from there you have pornography. Right. Which right. is available 24-7. Right. With like 30 screens open at the same time. Yes. And so if our kids, and even us, if we're learning about sex from porn, what's the issue there? I mean, I have my own opinion about what the issue is. I'm just curious from you. There's a lot of issues around pornography. In the ideal state, it is supposed to be, it, it is meant for pure entertainment, mm. not education, pure mm. entertainment and for adults. Yes. Yeah. And it can, 
there, there are some porn that I find arousing. So there's nothing wrong if you like a little porn. It's what I'm hearing you say is it's when our kids or us or whomever is using it as education to learn about, oh, this is what a body is supposed to look like, or this is what how sex is supposed to go down, right? This is the course of things. And I'm remembering the last porn movie that we watched, wow, that was a while ago. It was a man and a woman, and the man stayed in a full suit the entire time while the woman was down to, you know, sexy little lingerie, and she was sucking on his cock. So I told you all, like, you're not going to want your kids to listen to this, right? But there all these different things were happening, and he stayed in his full suit the whole time. And if this is where teenage boys and girls are getting their information, oh, the girl has to get naked. The girl has to do these things to me. But it doesn't have to be reciprocated. Or I can be enclosed, but they can't. Now we start, our kids start learning real inequity. Absolutely. And it starts, it starts very young. I mean, we gender everything in our society. Mm. And through that gendering, we also say who is deserving of pleasure. Mm. And who yes. is not. So your oh. example is, exa- is, an exa- is an example. If so, if, if people are watching that, they're, it's showing who is deserving of pleasure and who, right. is, who has to give the pleasure. Right. And who is our body for? I was teaching my Goddess on Purpose class a couple of nights ago about joy, and I did a strip tease toward the end of it. I've just brought sexual pleasure into that course. You know, I'm, as I evolve, I'm bringing it right. I love and it. <laughs> thank you. It was, it was delicious. I brag. And I was saying afterwards, asking everyone in the class, like, what did you get from that? And someone shared sexual trauma that she had been through. And witnessing that and like how much it opened her. It was painful and how much it opened her and how much it helped to heal her. And I shared, you know, we have, we grew up learning that our bodies are for someone else's pleasure. That's right. That as women, how we look is about whether it's pleasing to them. Exactly. And so we shift and we change and we have surgery. We take off our hair for the service and the pleasure mm. of other and not ourselves. Mm-hmm. So just yeah. think about um, hair and body removal and moving, um, pu- removing of pubic hair. And that's based, mm. that's based on pornography and what the ideal mm. is supposed to look like. And as a sex educator, I just want to let everyone know that hair is there for a reason. <laughs> do educate us. Do educate us. Tell us. It's the lawn around the house. Mm. It is there for a reason. We were given hair, pubic hair, to protect us. It's a cushioning. Mm. It protects from bacteria, from um, sexually tra- transmitted diseases and infections. Mm. So we can. It's actually there and serves a purpose. Mm. And no one is telling us this. No. It, it's become that our landscaping, if you will, <laughs> right, is for someone else's pleasure. And, you know, I know a lot of women who they enjoy it more if they don't have hair, they like how it looks. And who am I to tell anybody what's true and not true? I just can't help but wonder how much of our own beliefs about what we like or what we feel looks good has just come from 
social conditioning, right? Like I have gray hair on my head. Social conditioning says that that's not attractive, but it's not true that it's not attractive. It's just what I've learned is not as attractive. And so it's interesting, like what would really be true if we didn't get any of those messages? Oh, so it would be there. It would be so very different. And I'm, I don't judge anyone for hair mm-hmm. removal. I, I do it myself. Sure, um, absolutely. And so there's no judgment. No one should feel shame. Um, I would just, uh, my thought is to just give people the information so they mm-hmm. can make a decision that's an educated decision. Mm, yes. What else do you notice in working with women and working with couples in working with kids, where else do you notice that that we're lacking education that we really need? Um, well, it starts first with biology and science. Mm. You know, everyone knows head, shoulders, knees, and toes, mm-hmm. right? So we learn certain body parts, right? I'm laughing because I've never thought about this. And obviously, it's a song we sing a lot in our household. Right? <laughs> right. When you have a, you know, almost two-year-old, you sing that song a lot. <laughs> And certain body parts get values placed on them, Mm. right? And especially body parts on uh, female or uh, vagina or vulva-owning bodies. Mm. So our our bodies get sexualized very quickly, and then they and they're not named. Mm. And then in not naming them, they don't exist, or they're 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 not important, or they're for somebody else. Right. So by not named, meaning how many children, no one's ever talking to them about their penis or they're saying their pee-pee. And again, this isn't judgment. It's really how we've all grown up and how we've all learned in our own comfort or discomfort with saying penis or saying vagina or saying vulva or whatever it might be. This is so true. And so if it's not named, then it's, it doesn't exist or it's not important. Right. Mm. So our bodies, everything in the the female body is kind of, kind of called the vagina. All those right. We group it all together as vagina. Right. However, that is incredibly inaccurate. <laughs> Anatomically. <laughs> like, it is so, so it's kind of like talking about um, if you were going to talk about your mouth and you just use the word throat all the time. Mm, oh, that's such a Every good analogy. You talk about your mouth. You, you substitute it for the word throat. Oh. So I opened my throat and had a slice of pizza. Like, <laughs> oh my God, it's Liz. This is such a great analogy. This is why you're such a great educator. Like, do you all see why we need Liz in our life? Like, this is so good. I've never thought about it that way. Right. But the mouth includes the the lips and the teeth and the tongue and oh my goddess yes right and it's almost everything that's visible right everything our mouth mm. is all the visible parts right and our throat is all interior well very similar to our vulva and vagina the vulva is mm. everything on the outside um, including mm. our outer labia or it can be referred to as lips um, whichever way. And then our inner labia or our inner lips. And then it also includes the clitoris. And that's just part of the clitoris that's shown on the outside. There's an internal clitoris. Um, mm. But 
for the outside, there's just uh, the clitoris and the clitoral hood. And then you have the opening to the vagina, and then you have the opening to the urethra, which is where we urinate out of. So mm. women, we have two holes, women, and, and they're for different purposes. And the vagina is actually a canal. It's a muscular canal that's purely mm. internal. Mm. And so it's really like the throat is just the part that the food goes down. The vagina is just the part that something goes into, whether that something is someone else's body part, finger or otherwise, whether that is a tampon or whatever, it's just the canal. This is so interesting, Liz. So very recently, I needed to have this conversation with my son. And I say needed, first of all, I wanted to, because I, I, I do want to do it differently. I want, I don't want to call it a PP and a wee wee and a, right. I want him to have proper words for it. It's so, I've done my own training in this, as you know, I've studied this and it's so important to me from an empowerment perspective that we own our bodies. I, I also believe that the more we are in tune and in touch with our body, the more we are teaching a child to have sexual empowerment to say yes or no when they get older, right? If we just ignore it, then they don't know that this is their body and that they have choice and to make those choices. And so we were in the bath and he likes me to be in the bath with him. And so I started washing him and saying to him, this is Shay's back, this is Shay's elbow, this is Shay's penis. And then moving into telling him that he gets to choose mommy and daddy wash his penis. If anybody else wants to, then he gets to say no and that he needs to ask mommy and daddy about that, right? And so then he said, mommy has penis. And I said, mommy does not have penis. And I thought, oh God, what do I say, right? Like, because I don't call my vulva a vagina anymore now that I've been trained in it. I use the word pussy. Right. Which a lot of people don't like or know or whatever, but that's the word I use to encompass all of it. And I thought, okay, but my child is a parrot. Everything we say, he repeats. So if I say, well, mommy has a pussy, I can just imagine him then with his babysitter or when he starts school in September, he's two, going, mommy has a pussy, mommy has a pussy. (laughs) So I did use vulva. And I'm very proud because now he frequently in the bathtub will say, Shay has a penis, daddy has a penis, mommy has a vulva. And I feel so proud, like, yes, you know, we're getting there. And But it's created a conversation between my husband and I because he thinks that we should use the word vagina just because it's what's going to be taught in school. But I feel like in a, little, in a couple of years, I can explain, or maybe you'll teach me how to explain to him the difference in a woman. Right. I love how you're going through this evolution and mm. trying to figure this out. And a lot of parents out there don't know how to do this. And right. this is really difficult stuff because we weren't taught this. We weren't given the language. If we can't name our parts, then how are we going to explain that to our children? Right. And right. even if we can name our parts, there's judgment from the outside world. I had a situation in... Um, in my daughter's elementary school where a girl, um, one of the girls in first grade was um, washing her, her baby doll. And she said she was cleaning her vagina. Mm. The parents were brought in and the principal of the school said, 
the people, the families in our school do not use that word. Hmm. So that was one of the starts. What, to did, my, what, what did the families in the school use? I do not know, but they thought that was inappropriate. And they actually had a psychiatrist speak to the, <gasps> the first grade girl oh, no. and make sure that there was no harm at home also because she used the, the proper word. Oh, ouch. That hurts my heart. Yes. So my, my feeling is um, it is imperative, imperative that we use the correct scientific names for our body parts. If those are not comfortable, that's okay. But if people in our society can say penis and scrotum, our clitoris and our vulva and vagina are no different. Right, 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 right. You know, one of the other things that really got me away from using the word vagina is when I understood that the root of the word is the Latin word for for sheath that the sword goes into. Right. And it was like, oh my gosh, so we're calling we're calling this part of us a sheath that the sword goes into as if her only purpose is intercourse with a penis. Talk about disempowering for a woman. Yeah. And, you know, before when you were mentioning the things that may go in, you know, we have monthly blood. It's right. beautiful that passes through our vagina. Agreed. Beautiful. And our babies. Mm, right. So much happens in our vagina that has nothing, <laughs> that is not just penis and vagina. You know, education then goes on. And if we don't have proper words for our body, we also don't even know what to do with our bodies. Exactly. Like who's even teaching us? I remember the first time I had a mentor who suggested that our homework was to go home and take a mirror and look at our vaginas. Yes. And I thought, is she out of her mind? You know? And then I thought, well, that sounds kind of fun. But the only time I had ever looked at my vulva was when there was something itchy and I needed to check <laughs> what's going on down there. And I originally, when I first started doing this exercise, I originally thought that I was ugly. Mm-hmm. Not anymore. Now I see just pure beauty and different colors and all of it. But that was a daunting experience at first. But how are we supposed to know what we like if we never look and we never know? Yeah, it's amazing that we don't have a relationship um, the way penis owners do. I mean, penis mm. owners, your son, he's, there's a relationship just because he has to urinate. Mm. So just in the biology, there's a relationship with that part of the body. Mm. Um, for us, the closest, so many women just wipe. And that, and, but it's beautiful. And imagine, imagine saying to penis, never having seen their penis. Mm. 50% of the population has never seen our genitals. This is fascinating. And so how do you teach a woman to look at herself, to touch herself Especially because this has been so taboo. I know you take the boo out of taboo. This is which I love when you say it just makes me smile every time. How do you teach a woman 
to start to look at herself and start to touch herself and considering how much trauma has been created by various institutions, religious institutions, schools that made self-touch a sin, right? There's a lot of trauma I'm sure you, you encounter all the time. Absolutely. There's trauma and shame. Shame. Unfortunately, yeah. with um, sexuality, there's so much shame. You think about a child, a baby, little children touch themselves. Mm. And they're touching themselves for comfort. Mm. I don't think little Shay, when he touches his penis, he's doing it for sexual reasons. <laughs> right. <laughs> Not yet. I know. Not yet. <laughs> Well, it's a question I have for you. Like, when does that start? I have no idea. He had an erection the other day. And oh, can you imagine one day when he listens to this? Like, mother, you shared what? But, you know, you're two now, so I won't share it when you're older. And, and, I'm, and I'm curious, was that a sexual response? Because he doesn't ha- seem to have any sexuality to him yet. Yeah. No, this is just biological. This is, this is just what happens, and it's not sexual. And what happens with children is that they touch themselves for comfort. To, mm. to help them fall asleep, mm. um, help them relax. So many it's times soothing. it's very soothing. And then what happens in our society? Our society then sexualizes mm. that behavior. Religion sexualizes that behavior. So that child loses a form of comfort that they can give themselves. Mm. So what I do is help people get back that comfort to give mm. themselves that it's not sexual. Mm. I actually take the sex out of a lot of the work that I do. It's, wow. What I do is empowering work about you taking care of your own self, learning what you like, what you don't like for yourself. Mm. And then you can share that with your partner or partners. Mm. It's, it's taking the sex, the sexual out of sex ed. It's like so fascinating. Not in the way that, you know, your Catholic school did when you were 10 out there, but in the way of it being a reconnection. I mean, what I'm hearing from you, this is a, a reconnection or a re-ownership of your body. And yep. then you can engage. Now, how do I want to desire to engage my body sexually. That's beautiful. Right. Yeah. And you have the choice. And it's not one or the other. That's another thing in our society that if people, once you're in a relationship, you're not supposed to self-pleasure. Mm. They're mm. actually two incredibly different activities. Um, if someone's doing it to avoid another, that's problematic. Um, or if they're using porn and they're not having a connection with their partner, that's problematic. But a self-practice is very healthy. Mm. So for someone who's listening to this and they have thought, oh, I shouldn't be touching myself or it's wrong or I'm curious, but I don't even know how to start. Where do we start? Right. It's starting from the basics. And as I was saying before, it's biology. So what, when, I, when I teach, I start with the science of sexual well-being. Mm. And I wish in our biology classes, we were actually taught our actual anatomy. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. If, we taught our, if we were taught our actual anatomy, then we would have the education to know how to take care of our bodies. One little tidbit. Guess what? 
our vaginas are self-cleaning. Mm. We don't need to put anything in there to make them smell good. Um, <laughs> we don't need, their vaginas are supposed to smell like vaginas. <laughs> <laughs> and the right partner will love and the smell of your vagina as is. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. And they're self-cleaning. So what if we learn, so when a girl has some discharge in her panties and doesn't know what that is, she'll know, oh, okay, if it's this color, I understand this is healthy. This is just my... Mm, my self-cleaning. Yeah, self-cleaning oven. Yes. It's beautiful. Our bodies are beautiful. And we have this body part called a clitoris. And the mm. clitoris is the only part in the body that is there solely for sensation and mm. Mm -hmm. and the Greek term, the meaning of, of uh, clitoris means key. Mm. How fascinating. <laughs> because the clitoris is the key to all female pleasure. Mm. I'm just, you can just listen to me going, mm, mm, yes, yes, say more. Yeah, it's well. It's this structure that actually it's 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 actually homologous to the penis. And what homologous means is that it's made up of the same um, same parts and actually erectile tissue, but it looks differently. So at seven weeks, a fetus gets a wash of a male hormone, and the male hormone the male fetus takes that on, and that develops um, into a penis and testicles and scrotum. The female develops into a vulva and a clitoris, with, including the clitoris. Hmm. So the outside of the, the clitoris that's on the outside is actually homologous to the tip of the penis. And it's mm. the most sensitive part. Right. That and also the penis has um, a shaft. Well, there's a shaft to the clitoris also. And hmm. the shaft consists of bulbs. And cura, I like to call it wings. So we have bulbs and wings that yes. are made up. Awesome. We have bulbs and wings. And I want to have wings. I have wings. We have wings. Yes. This is and, so good. And guess Did what? I tell you she was awesome or what? And guess what those wings can do and bulbs can do? They get engorged with blood and, and, and get erect. So the work I do is I teach women how to feel that and how to and and how to develop that. And it's mm. not just about you know we're talking about just one body part here. We're our skin is the most yes. <laughs> every aspect of our skin is something that has sensation. Mm. And we can we can have choice in terms of how we touch and learning different touches and teaching our children what different touches are. Yes. Right? There's a comforting touch. There's, you know, there's different touches. There's, there's, um, there are hugs that are different that we give to each other and explaining. And then we have sensual hugs or sensual touch or, or sexual touch and when that's appropriate and when that's not appropriate. Right, right. And beginning with us, Right. Because I remember I was working with a woman and she was saying that she felt like she had to have sex every time her husband wanted it. And my heart like just started bleeding. And then I had to look in the mirror and say, you know what, Kira? 
you've had that underlying belief as well, right? This is a few years ago and like, whoa. And because of that, I would fake orgasm when I didn't feel like having sex or when I wanted it to be over. And early on in my relationship with Josh, he caught me in the act of faking. He's like, did you just fake that? And I thought, I'm a really good faker. How'd you know? You know? And he made me me promise to never fake again. And bravo to him, right? He's like one of my empowerment coaches because, you know, we've been together for 10 or 11 years now. And so this is, I guess, probably like nine or 10 years ago, a long time ago. And that was a moment of me saying, oh my gosh, I really am doing for others instead of standing in my own, like, what do I want in my body and being able to know that and being able to honor it. Like, or you might know it, but not listen to it and honor it. And what you're teaching women, myself included, is how to know and how to honor, how to listen. And I can't even help, I've been staring at this the whole time, so I just have to presence it. She actually has a vulva, vagina, clitoris model right behind her on her office shelf. I love it. Absolutely. Yeah, (laughs) one of my many, (laughs) I have a vulva puppet, which I use to teach well, now she's bringing out. We're gonna have. I, I need to take a picture of this for the for the social media when we launch this episode. This is so good. Okay, can I see this puppet? <laughs> and then I have, and this is your outer labia. This is your right. inner labia. Your inner, and you can see in this puppet. Everyone, go to the social media. Go to my Instagram and and look for this, um, or go to go to Facebook and look for this. You can see how a clitoris has a shaft then and and looks like the penis. This is interesting. Well, and actually, this is actually just the tip. This is mm-hmm. the wood that I'm showing you. Okay. Um, actually, this is the full <gasps> clitoral structure. Wow. Oh, I wish you all could see this. Okay, you're going to have to, like, you have to take one of her classes to see that there's, she's pulled out this thing that kind of looks like an octopus, that there's a whole structure under the surface. Is that right? Of our, exactly. okay, this is genius. Exactly. And it's exactly, as I said before, it's exactly, it, it relates to the penis. It's very similar sensations. But ours is internal. And the mm. only reason why ours is internal and the male, the penis is external with the testicles, any idea? They pee out of it too? Yeah, well, that absolutely. And because they have to get, in order to procreate, their DNA has to get into another body. Mm. It's all biology. Right, 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 right. Now, the issue there is, and this is really important, because that is the way to procreate, and it that has been, dis- and it's a, it's a form that uh, penis owners enjoy in terms of sex, that has been defined as the sexual act, penis-vagina intercourse. However, 80% of vagina, vulva, owners and women cannot have pleasure or experience orgasm through penis vagina intercourse. Mm. 80%. Wow. That's a lot. I'm wow. at 80%. So right. So the majority of us, just so we're all clear, and, and it's interesting, Liz, you use penis owner, vulva owner, and we can talk about why that is. But if you're sitting there and you're like, wait, what is she talking about? If you identify as a woman, and you have a vulva, you have a vagina, 
what we're saying here, what she's saying is that 80% of us don't orgasm from a penis inside of us. That's right. We need this other, we need clitoral stimulation. And this goes back to also where you were talking about our skin having so many sensations and our, our breasts have sensation and nipples have sensation. So it's like our orgasm, our pleasure comes from all these other ways. Absolutely. Women, people can have nipple orgasms and there are different types of orgasms, um, but it doesn't really matter. Even naming them, it's mm. just a sensation. It's an orgasmic feeling, a connected mm. feeling that we're looking for to strive for an orgasm. Well, that just, that doesn't last very long. It's hmm. about the journey. Mm. And it takes, you know, it takes women, um, uh, between 20 and 40 minutes to warm up. That's right. 20 to 40 minutes of outside connection of overall skin, connecting, kissing, relating in so many different ways and not even touching the genitals. Wow. So if someone's listening to this and they're like, oh my God, I always think I take too long or I fake it because I think that I'm supposed to be finished already or whatever the thing is, our bodies, or you're wondering like, how come I can't feel pleasure at all? We need all of that warming up, which I love how you said it, may come from physical touch to our arms, our shoulders, our breasts, may also come from relating, connection. That's beautiful, Liz. Because isn't that what we desire or what we Yes, want? yes, yes. Or like for me, I can read a novel that has a little erotica in it. And that's going to be part of my 20 minutes. That's going to speed me right up, right? And I get so turned on. Yeah, that's reading a novel, texting your, your partner. Oh, yeah. That's foreplay. Yes, I call okay. all the stuff on the outside, I call that core play. You have the best names, core play. <laughs> right, core it's play because core it's core. Play. It's necessary. Play. And even we, um, many people don't need any in, anything internal. Mm. Most of us don't need anything internal um, if there's um, stimulation of the clitoris to orgasm. What about if someone doesn't need anything internal? And in fact, it hurts them. But their partner has a penis and wants to have penis and vagina sex? That's a great question. That's, that's fine. It doesn't have to be, a, it, that doesn't have to be the equation every time. Mm, mix it up. Mm -hmm. Variety and curiosity is such a wonderful thing. And mm. a erect penis is not necessary for pleasure. Right. And an erect penis doesn't have to go inside of a vagina. There's a lot of ways for an erect penis to feel pleasure. And I would imagine that if someone has pain in their vagina when something is inside of it, that's part of what you work with, right? Maybe there's trauma there or maybe sending to someone to a medical doctor. Maybe there's something there too to Absolutely. work with. And part of my job as a sex educator and a coach, it's referred to as referring out. So if mm. something comes to me and they have a medical issue because I'm not a, a medical professional, I'm a wellness professional. I, I have my sources and people to, to refer out. So they're going to be put in good hands mm -hmm. and go to the right person. You know, so many of us don't even realize about our pelvic floor health. 
right? We go to the gym, we work out, but our pelvic floor for both um, females and males holds up everything. Mm. And it's really important that that's a part of the body that we give attention to also for our overall health. Mm. And for some reason, that's been left out of the conversation. Most people probably don't know what a pelvic floor is. Yeah, so it's the muscles that hold all um, everything in in that area of, mm. of your pelvis. And it's incredibly important in terms of your sexual health. Mm. And, there's, and when your pelvic floor, um, if it's unhealthy, there's pain and it can be very uncomfortable. Mm. So is pelvic floor, like if someone's heard of a Kegel, exactly. you know, the squeezing of the internal muscles... So Which that, I'm doing right now, it, as soon as someone mentions pelvic floor or Kegel, it's a reminder to me to do it, right? <laughs> and it's Are you doing it too? Of course, I have to. <laughs> and listen, now that I'm 47, right, I sneeze and I pee. So like, it, <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> like, Right. However, she's not as strong as she used to be. <laughs> but if you are doing your workouts for it, the way maybe we go to the gym for other things. I do the same thing. I have to do workouts for my pelvic floor for so right. I don't leak. It's it's right. really important. And it's, right. it, when I do my workouts, I don't have any problem. Mm. So mm. it's just like going to the gym, but it's going for the gym for your um your your vulva, your pussy, your vagina. All of it. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. You're Hopefully yoni. you're out there now and you're, you're yoni, which is a beautiful word. It's Sanskrit. an Indian Sanskrit word to encompass. And that includes all parts, right? right? Yoni is, is all aspects of a female genital and try on for you out there. Like what words feel good? And, you know, pussy to me did not used to feel good, but I was intrigued. And then I read the book, right? So I know one of the things that you are interested in, Liz, is a female genital erasure. And when you mentioned that, you wanted to talk about it on the podcast, I had to look it up. Like, I don't even know what that means, right? right? So can you talk to us about this? Right. So unfortunately, probably many of us have heard about female genital mutilation, mm -hmm. um, which is done by some communities, religious groups. And this is actually, it, it's not like a circumcision of a penis. It's actually taking away parts that have pleasure nerve endings. Mm. Yeah. Well, and that's the mutilation. And actually it's sewing up and to some extremes, it goes to some extremes where they actually close up the whole, the, the labia. So nothing can get through and opening it up only um, for procreation. Mm. So we're talking about with young girls in that's, some communities. In communities. So what I'm talking about, and that and that's horrific, and there's a lot of work to be done. Um, there are certain states that still have not outlawed it all. Oh my god! This in our country, um, and um, female genital erasure is basically talking about the clitoris, which is what I was talking to you about. It's that this that it has not been in medical books the full structure and the nerve endings of the clitoris in a, in a very long time. And up until I believe 2019, it wasn't in most medical books, mm. the full structure of the clitoris and its nerve endings. So there are people going out and, and asking for labiaplasties because they 
they look at their labia or someone tells them that their vulva doesn't look right, it doesn't look like porn, mm-hmm. they feel like there's something wrong or it doesn't fit, their lips may hang low so it doesn't fit in their pants. Mm. Shame all around this and we don't know. But what we, what we also are not being told though is those are vital to our pleasure. Those are vital mm. to our body parts and cutting them off for cosmetic reasons um, you, to, for somebody else's pleasure or for your pleasure, know what risks that you're taking and what you may be losing. Mm. I knew someone once whose daughter, uh, I think she was maybe 15, 16 or to 18, somewhere in that teenage 16 to 18 range. And her daughter asked her mom to have plastic surgery to change her vulva. And she was in tears. I mean, her daughter said, there's something wrong with me. It doesn't look right. And that some boy she had been with had said that. And and so her mom was contacting a plastic surgeon to change it. We ended up taking the same class and it was brought up in that class. And she went, oh my God, I was about to do this. You know, and the truth of it is, if you really look up vulvas online, all different shapes, all different colors. Some people's lips hang low, some go high. Some It's like you can start looking at a vulva like a rose that each one has different colors and each one unfolds differently. And right. But again, this is part of porn as education is not healthy. Yeah. And it all it goes back to the oppression of women. This yes. Is, this, all goes back to this is all the oppression of our sexuality. Yes. Which is why I know you and I both agree on this. You take a stand that our sexual well-being is a part of our overall flourishing. Absolutely. Right? That we we can't have the conversation about our happiness and our well-being if we don't include our sexual well-being. Right. Yeah. And our sexual well-being doesn't necessarily just mean our the sex that we're having. It's how we show up. Mm. It's how we feel about our bodies. It's how connected and embodied we are with connecting with our mind and our, our, our vulvas and connecting them. And because when we can connect them and be present, we can show up in the world in such a different way. Mm. Mm. And it's really powerful. Um, and we've been given all these messages not to look, to shame it, and to erase it. Yeah. I mean, yes. to erase a body part, it's been known for hundreds of years about the clitoris. And it's been taken out of medical books and put back in through the years based on the political, religious environment. It blows my mind. You know, there's so much going on right now where we're seeing some books being banned in parts of the United States of America, which blows my mind as a Jewish woman that we are seeing book banning. But I have a friend who is a pediatrician. She started with another pediatrician. They started an organization to support girls in puberty and education. And they wrote a book and it was banned in parts of Florida. Banned. Because what we shouldn't teach a girl that she's going to go through puberty and what changes are going to happen in her body. Like they're going to happen. Whether you have a book on it or not, that's going to happen to the girl. So you may as well give her a book written by doctors, medical doctors. Yeah. To teach. You know, this is a real issue. 
Yeah, there, there are girls who will stay home from school when they get their, their first bleeding because they think something's wrong with them, but they don't even know what it is. And they'll miss school for weeks or every month they'll start to miss school when they bleed yeah. because they're not given the right education. And yeah. this is something that it's a natural occurrence. Why is there shame? Right. That our menstruation, it happens every month. Right. And it's beautiful. It allows us to have babies. Like the, Exactly. It, it, we, it, there should be no shame in it. It's just part of it. But we learn as girls, oh, I can't go to swim class. I can't, you know, and yes, you might want to work with that. But as if there's anything, or do we think of it as gross? It's like, this isn't gross. If it was taught that this is sacred. Absolutely. And that this is part of your entry into womanhood, into wisdom into motherhood, which is something that penis owners can't do. Like this is something special we get to do. We would think of it different, which is why in matriarchal cultures, the woman and menstrual blood is honored. I mean, it's like, an, it's it just shows you it's all how you grew up. It's all societal. And it's so important that we talk about this as part of flourishing, as part of women's happiness, because if we believe that our bodies are ugly, or gross, or not worthy of having a name, or that our pleasure doesn't matter, it's just about their pleasure, then it contributes to us having further depression, further anxiety, further pain, and then that takes us away from flourishing. So we have to include worth and self-love in our bodies as part of the whole conversation. This is why I love you, Liz, and I love what you're doing. I mean, did I tell you all she's incredible? Like, who wants to go back to seventh grade and have Liz be their teacher, right? But really, we really just want you, Liz, to teach all the adult classes. Like, just get all the classes. And and you and I know each other because I was your teacher in the positive psychology certification through amazing. the Flourishing Center. You're my, my amazing professor. And the I loved every <laughs> And you should have all, y'all should have seen the rest of the class. There were like 25, 26 of you. And every time Liz would speak, everyone would like lean in a little bit closer. Like what? Because you were the only sex educator in our group, right? So it was like, what's she saying? And everybody was like, Liz, will you do a class? Liz, will you do a class? Right? Because it's so important and nobody's teaching this. Yeah. It's just, I, my belief is that we should just normalize these conversations that affect us every day. These are issues that are affecting us every single day and let's normalize them and taking the boo out of taboo and our, and when we can embrace ourselves and our bodies, then we have, we, then we can have pleasure and we can flourish. Yes, mm. yes, 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 yes. So Liz, how can people take a class with you? Where can they find you? Oh, great. So I'm at Sex Ed with Liz. I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Um, you can find me there or Twitter and LinkedIn or my website. And uh, I'm going to be having a few classes coming up. going to be having a class on pleasure principles mm. and um, learning about the different principles um, to get you to have a flourishing life through honor. So what we were just talking about, honoring your body and how to, yes. and how to do that. Yes, 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 please. Yes, please. After positive psychology certification class, Liz, then you, you were in my Goddess on Fire mastermind, right? I love that class. Oh, that was amazing. What did you love about it? Tell me. Um, well, first of all, 
Karen, your energy and um, your positivity and um, it, you just know how to bring out so much in people, mm. and get them to their purpose and get them to shine. And oh, thank it, you, sister. You really, it's really beautiful. And you've, you've supported me so much and I am so appreciative. Mm. Mm. I, it's my honor, my pleasure. You know, that class, that mastermind, that group is all about, I just want to see every woman go freaking rule the world, right? Like you do something different than I do, something different than this one does, than that one does. But when we're all out there, really doing it and really sharing our wisdom, that's how we're going to change the world. You know, it's like even going back to the school shooting yesterday, like the more we are teaching whatever your thing is, right? For you, it's sex ed. You create so much healing that that's that creates so much well-being and, and mental wellness that that's going to change our whole environment and people not being so lonely and so depressed that they pick up a gun. Like the, this is, this is why purpose matters so much. No matter what someone's purpose is, it matters. Oh, okay. Liz, you know, at the end of all my interviews, I do something called a purpose power play round where I ask you random questions and whatever's the first thing that comes to your mind is the correct answer. Are you down? I'm down. Okay. What is a book or two that everyone should read to learn more about this? Until you write one, of course. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, uh, I would say Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski. Um, mm. It's like, it's an exploration of women's sexuality uh, that will just, it will radically transform the way you have your sex life and you mm. learn about sex. I've learned mm. so much from her. Wow. And learning about arousal and mm. spontaneous and um, responsive um, desire. Uh, it's fascinating. And mm. The best part of the book, you, after you read it, you're going to feel so much better about yourself. Oh, that's beautiful. Yes. And since you have multiple certifications in sex education, for you to endorse a book really means a lot because I know you've read like all of them that are out there. Okay, so come as you are. Yes. And in 10 years, what's one dream desire that we can support you in creating? Uh, my desire would be to have our institutions support medically accurate sex education mm. that's inclusive, that's intimate justice focus, mm. that's pleasure focused, mm. and it's part of our institutions. Wow. I just had an intuitive hit. You're going to be the first the first secretary of sexual education. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> right? Or like minister of sexual education, right? It's like we have a secretary of education. We have a secretary of transportation. We need you, first the United States, and then let's just take you right to the UN, to create standards and foundations and policies of sex education. Absolutely. Okay. Oh my gosh. I just, it was like, I saw it, Liz. I saw it. I love it. <laughs> oh my gosh. I did. I had a moment. I saw that you had to go through Senate approval. So I'm just going to hold you through that. Okay. I, me and all of your goddess sisters, we're just going to hold you through it because you're going to be fine through it. But I saw that if that is a desire for you. Okay. A great vision. Oh my gosh. If it's not for me, someone else, but I think that's a, a wonderful. We need uh, it. We need it. Absolutely. 
Okay, last question. What's one thing you want every woman to know? That being safe, feeling worthy, Hmm. and being able to communicate your desires will lead you to a sexually healthy life. Hmm. And therefore a healthy life overall. Yes. Say it, sister. Yeah. A woman, a woman, a woman. (laughs) Yes. Liz Kessler, you're incredible. Thank you, thank you, thank you for doing the work that you're doing. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and genius and heart and soul with us today. Everyone, run. Do not walk. Run to follow her on social media. Run to her website to find her classes. Liz, run and go create more classes. I will. Please, like run, create the classes on the website that we can all take because you're needed, sister. So needed. And of course, she can work with you individually as couples and around your children, right? If that's someplace, I know that that's a specialty of hers is working with you there. Or if you want her to come in and talk to your doctors or your doctor office, she's all down for that too. So yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Liz. And to all of you out there, thank you for listening to this very special episode of the Purpose Girl Podcast. We hope you loved it as much as we loved doing it. Like we had a ball and I learned so much. If you did, go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen right now and leave your five-star review. Your review, it will take you 60 seconds, but your reviews are what get me the incredible guests, get me the sponsors, allow the Purpose Girl Podcast to continue. And that's really how we change the world one woman at a time. It's a tiny thing that you can do to make a big difference. So with that, my love, go join the Purpose Girls Facebook group. Go follow Liz. Go follow me on Instagram at Karen Rockine. Follow Sex Ed with Liz. Share this podcast with every woman you know and your daughters. We all need this. And so with that, my love, may you live purposefully. May you love yourself and may you love life. Bye for now.